people in diet culture forget to say about carbs is that it's the refined carbs that are really what we want to stay away from. But whole grain carbs are up there with fruit, fruit and vegetables, one of the three healthiest foods we can eat. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. This is Pat McCauley, as always. My guest this week is the awesome Julie Wilcox. Julie is a New York-based wellness coach, author. She is the founder of Julie Wilcox Wellness and the co-founder of Ishta Yoga. We talk about Julie's upbringing as an Olympic gymnast hopeful trained by Russian coaches and what she learned from that intense uh, competitive childhood, how yoga later in life led her to a deeper understanding of her diet, why she takes a no-labels approach to diet. Uh, we talk all about her new book, The Win-Win Diet, How to Be Plant-Based and Still Eat What You Love, how to transition to a new way of eating, the importance of those around you to reaching your health goals, why carbs are not bad for you, and why health is the way to your soul. Julie is awesome. I have enjoyed getting to know her a bit over the past few weeks, and I think she has a very welcoming, loving, uh, gentle approach to diet um, that can help people get more plants into their diet, which, as you all know, I am all for. So enjoy. I will see you guys uh, on the next episode. Without further ado, the one and only Julie Wilcox. All right, I have Julie Wilcox with me. Uh, Julie, welcome back. We did a little pre-interview interview, interview uh, the other day, and, and we're back back on here to record a, a full episode. Uh, super excited to have you and dive into uh, the new book and all things you. Excellent. I'm super happy to be back with you as well after a couple initial chats. So amazing, amazing. So I would love to start kind of back in in the childhood because I know you have like a very unique upbringing around sports. So tell us what life was like growing up as like a hardcore athlete, I'm told. Right. I was a gymnast training under Russian coaches from the ages of eight to 15. And I trained about four hours every day. I competed on the weekends. Um, and it was extremely rigorous, very strict, um, but really rewarding at the same time. I'm sure you've had similar experiences, right? As an athlete that there can be hard, but you know, there's always something incredibly joyous and pleasurable on the other end. Um, so I, you know, since we're talking about diet and, and my new book, the win-win diet, um, I'll just say that, you know, part of that regimen involved being very, um, attentive to the foods that we put in our body and for gymnasts at that time. And, and definitely for my coaches, what that meant was to really focus on two main concepts, low fat and low sugar. Uh, the low fat was 
definitely geared towards primarily appearance, just to make sure that you had an extremely lean and thin body type. Um, and the, the sugar was to make sure that you could just get through four hour practices, um, and not have any energy dips. Um, so, you know, that, that was an interesting way to kind of grow up, um, and understand food because, you know, on the one hand, as a, as a serious athlete at that level, you'd expect that, um, it would all be about nutrition and rather than what you shouldn't be eating and calorie restriction and avoiding, you know, most fats and, um, sugar. Okay. We can agree that, that that's a good thing to limit, but it was just more about what not to eat as opposed to what to eat. So like in one of our earlier conversations, I remember you asking me, well, did you eat a typical athlete's diet, eggs, dairy, meat, that type of thing. And we weren't instructed to do that. We were just instructed to show up, look the part. Um, if we didn't look the part, we would, you know, get reprimanded for that. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't really the healthiest mentality, I think for young girls to grow up with essentially, um, you know, before practices, of course, the one thing they did, um, tell us, sorry, before comp competitions, the one thing they did tell us to fuel up on was carbs. Um, but you know, they never got into, you know, you should be eating plenty of vegetables, like a variety of vegetables is what will give you the energy, will give you the mental focus, will, you know, make enhance your immunity to make sure that you don't get sick, um, and can, and can be there when you need to be, um, you know, fuels your muscles, gives you the strength and the power that we need. Um, you know, whether it was the, the, the vegetables and, you know, all the antioxidants and phytochemicals they have, which again, like fight the free radicals and, and all the damage that happens to the body because of the toxins that naturally we take in from the environment. Um, and other, you know, food products that, you know, that are, are manufactured these days, um, you know, plant-based proteins, healthy carbs, like whole grains instead of refined carbs. So we just didn't get into all those nuances of, of what foods we really should be focusing on. It was more of just a very broad generalized message of, you know, be slim and slender and, and, just make sure that you can perform at your, your optimal levels. Um, so that it was a little, it was, it was difficult, but it did, it did give me discipline <laughs> to teach me how to be disciplined and, and work within a framework and a structure. Yeah. Yeah. So more or less to like recap that it's like focus on attaining a certain weight and looking a certain way for competition versus like, what does food actually do for my health and how my body performs? Exactly. Exactly. And how can I actually feel at peace and, um, and, and content with myself and, and balanced. Um, so, you know, later in life, when I became a yoga teacher and, and, and a very devoted student, um, and business owner, um, I really, um, became enthralled with the, um, teachings of, of mindfulness and balance because, those were the ingredients that I really needed in order to, um, find a, a healthier and happier place of being in regards to, you know, the foods that I, I, I would be eating and, um, and just how I would live my life overall. Um, and then finally, when I became a nutritionist, 
the concept of personalization and how important that is as well, that it's not that, you know, everybody should just look this certain way and, you know, be thin and and be lean and be all those things. But like, we each have a unique, um, you know, structure to, and physique, um, and that we need to actually eat different things in order to be our best selves. And what's right for me is, is not going to be right for you or my teammate or my sister or my friend. Um, so that was another really important element from, from my past that, you know, I amalgam amalgamated into the win-win diet. So this, the, the components of discipline of mindfulness and balance and personalization. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, on one of the previous calls, you mentioned, um, Ayurveda fitting in there somewhere. How did, how did, how did those principles kind of influence like where you stand with, with food now? Yeah. Our Ayurveda, um, the explains that we each are composed of three different, uh, constitutional types that are based on the elements of fire, air, and water. And the ideal place for us to exist is when all three of those constitutional types are in harmony and balance. But throughout life, we naturally get thrown off um, and whereby one becomes more dominant than the other. And that happens through many different um, channels. It can be just the environment. It can be what we do eat. It could be um, you know, a relationship that we're in that affects us a certain way. So any number of things. Um, so when I learned about those doshas, the constitutions are called doshas, um, and realized that I am, I was, you know, dominantly pitta, which is the fire element. Um, I understood that in order to pacify imbalances, when you have one dosha that is too dominant, um, what you eat makes a huge difference. And so with fire being my natural innate state of, of dominance, which means that, you know, I, um, you know, you're strong-minded, um, very ambitious, very, um, potentially irritable or, or angry. Um, you know, your physique is strong. Your digestion is extremely, you know, sensitive. Um, and so you want to eat so that you can bring some of that down. So, you know, you would want to stay away from spicy heating foods, from sour foods, from acidic foods, really heavy and oily, greasy foods, um, you know, fermented foods, actually for like, um, yogurt and, um, other types of fermented dairy are not so great. That would fall more in the sour category. You want more grounding, cooling foods. Um, so that sort of really created this bridge between the mindfulness of the yoga, but then also what I learned later when I went back to get my master's in nutrition of the, of the personalization and customization. Yeah. Cool. And you can take like a, a dosha quiz type thing to find that out for yourself, right? Where you kind of stand. Yes, absolutely. You can. What do you yeah, think cool. you are? I, <laughs> you know, I, have, you I have no idea. I have no idea. I need to take it. Um, do you, want me to, you want me to guess for you? Sure. Yeah, please. <laughs> I would say you're Pitta dominant too. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. With, with Vata, which is the air element. 
second. And that's a little bit more that. So that's the air quality. It's drier. It's like, you like to move a lot, really restless, um, can be absent minded. So there are positive and negative qualities. Mm -hmm. That (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool, cool. So you had this, you have this like crazy athletic upbringing, then you find yoga after all that, then that kind of leads you into the world of nutrition you go uh, study nutrition and then ultimately, you know, we wind up at some point with uh, the book. And if I skipped anything in, in between, jump in. But uh, why, why did you want to write the book? I see out there in the world that the masses generally believe that a plant-based diet means that you have to be vegan. And whereas being vegan is a wonderful thing, and I know that you're vegan, um, it is not for everyone. And it's actually not accurate to say that a plant-based diet means that you have to be vegan. So I wanted to clarify that for people because there are so many wonderful things that come out of being plant-based. that can be achieved through incremental smaller changes and by landing on the continuum of plant-based eating somewhere other than in the vegan realm. Um, So I wanted to educate people about that. Um, The term plant-based just for, for those that aren't hundred percent clear on that simply means that you increase your consumption of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and plant-based proteins and reduce your consumption of animal source products and processed foods. But it doesn't have to be complete elimination of the animal sourced foods. So in the win-win diet, I cover four eating patterns that qualify as plant-based, including the flexitarian, the pescatarian, the vegetarian, and the vegan diets. Yeah. So how do we, how do we end up with those four as like the four kind of diets for people to get healthier after all your research and studies and all that, why did we land on those four? So these four diets definitely fit within the public health parameters, um, and requirements of what the optimal recommended daily intakes are for people. And they really suit so many different preferences and, and needs really anyone can, you know, fall within any one of those eating patterns. So I felt that, you know, rather than include something like fruitarian, where someone's only going to be eating fruit, um, literally, I felt that that probably wasn't going to, again, speak to most people and, and be ultimately reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And is there like, how do you suggest people find like which one is right for them? Um, so there's a a whole process that I lay out in, in the book that speaks to, uh, assessing oneself essentially. Um, and I ask the reader to do journal exercises as they're transitioning from one eating pattern to the other to determine if that is, is if that's right for them, if it's going well, um, it fo- the, the questions focus on the physical. So, um, have you checked in with your doctor? Are your labs okay? And are you biologically and and physiologically in good stead? Um, how are you feeling emotionally? Are you 
feeling calmer, better, um, you know, more balanced, or are you irritable or angry or um, frustrated, feeling deprived, or, or again, on the other side, are you actually satiated and fulfilled? Um, and, you know, psychologically, also, as we talked about um, preoccupation, you know, is food all you're thinking about? Or, mm. you know, are you able to get through your day, you know, with a plan and fueling yourself properly without having it to consume so much space in your mind? So, you know, as I ask the reader to go through these different questions, they essentially answer them um, at each, you know, at each two week interval, essentially throughout the transitioning um, and really determine and, and try to get honest with themselves about, is this right for me? Am I feeling well? Um, do I want to continue? Do I want to backtrack a little? Do I need more time maybe? And maybe this will be right for me, but not now. Or, you know, am I great? Am I so good that I want to try the next one? Do I now want to become vegetarian since I've been so successful as a pescatarian? Um, the other reason I chose these four eating patterns is also because they each are come with incredible health benefits and also all contribute to environmental welfare and animal welfare. So, um, you know, again, like you don't have to stop eating all animal source products to have an impact on those three areas. Yeah. Yeah. I do like your very inclusive approach. Um, something like I see all the time is somebody tries to go plant-based, right? And whether that's like January 1st or whenever they want to try and they get like six days in and then all of a sudden they have some cheese on their salad or something. And, th and then they've like, they've like lost, they've like failed and they just go back to what they were doing instead of like having a more kind of open-minded, gentler approach on yourself and understanding that you're going to, you know, you don't have to have such hard lines if you don't want, and you can just keep continuing to improve. Was that kind of the thought process around the four different diets? Yes, exactly. People frequently ask me what I am and what yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have been in my lifetime. Um, and so that gives an example of exactly what you're saying, the fluidity that you know, it is perfectly okay for, for people to have throughout their lifetime. So I started as an omnivore, um, until the age of 14 and at 14, I saw a film on factory farming that really turned me off of, of meat. Um, and my sister who actually had already been vegetarian was also a big influence on me at that time. So I just decided to go right from being an omnivore to a vegetarian, I did that for 10 years and, and it was fine. It, it made sense for me. But then in my early twenties, I started to feel a little bit off and it was a little bit intangible. Um, I just didn't feel great energetically in terms of my mood. Um, I felt that, you know, my diet was definitely lacking in variety. I was bored a lot. I felt that when I went out to eat, you know, it was complicated um, to always find things on the menus that I wanted or going to events or people's dinner parties. There's always that discomfort that can come when you have food preferences. I'm sure you definitely have gone through that also as a vegan. Sure. Um, and so I started to eat some more fish and, um, you know, that worked for me. Like I, I went back to eating fish and, um, I felt great again. And it's, it's been almost, um, 
it's been about 20 years since, since I became pescatarian and I've stayed there. Um, and, and I'm very happy. And sometimes I eat more vegetarian and there are definitely many meals and, and days where I'll be completely vegan as well. Um, but overall I do eat fish on a weekly basis. I enjoy it. Um, and, and so I'm very happy as a pescatarian. And I think, you know, when people start to fall into different categories and call themselves different things, there's a lot of judgment that can start to be passed and, you know, condemnation for those who don't eat like them. And I don't want people to feel that way. There's no shame about, you know, what you're eating. And hopefully as long as it's, it's healthy and, and doing you a service, doing the environment a service and, and hopefully not being too cruel to animals. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like on your initial, um, when you kind of put, help people find which path or transition is right for them. Um, you know, how you go about that. Because for me, like I, I liked the hard line in the sand, you know, like I liked like, okay, these things are off my menu, you know, like red meat off my menu, et cetera, et cetera, off my menu. And that for me relieved, as you mentioned earlier, the pressure around food, right? When I would go to a gathering or a holiday party or whatever, and all these bad foods were laying out, like all of a sudden there was no pressure because just like I don't smoke and there's no pressure around that for me when someone offers me a cigarette, like those foods aren't on my menu. So there, there just no pressure. And that was helpful to me, but I know that's not everybody. Um, but it's just an interesting perspective around the pressure there. Have you ever, have you ever backtracked and gone out of the vegan pattern since you became vegan? I have never backtracked in I mean, it's, it's a, you know, kind of moral, it's very much a moral thing for me too. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, well, that's that's, yeah. And that's great because sometimes people will say they're vegan and, you know, find pride in that, which is great. But then the next thing, you know, they're eating, you know, some fish or they're eating <laughs> some eggs yeah. or meat. And, you know, I also do believe that, you know, people should, say what they are and, and again, not feel badly about that or, you know, feel like they, they need to pretend that there's something that they're not, um, about how to help people decide. Uh, I think it's important to really identify and, and again, be honest with yourself about what foods you love and you're really unwilling to forego. And that could be Uh, I myself have been deficient in vitamin B12 at times. So again, that comes from animal products. So you definitely need to take those things into consideration. Um, But so preference wise also, you know, I love dairy. um, So that's not something that I really want to to take out of my diet. I don't have any allergies to it. Um, I don't have any digestive issues that relate to it. Those types of things definitely need to be considered as well. Do you have allergies? How does it affect your, your digestion? Um, so, you know, that's where, where I landed with dairy eggs. I eat probably not as much as dairy. Um, but I, I definitely enjoy them and I'm fine with them. Um, and so you, you want to just, kind of make sure that you can find joy in, in your diet. Um, and for someone like yourself, if, if that means, you know, having an external framework. And so I guess 
I'm sort of suggesting something a little different than what you've done, which is like you subscribed to a way of eating that is just what it is. It's, it's, you know, something that's out there. It's been, you know, kind of told to you and you're totally cool with it. It works great. You know what to cut out and that's the end of it. And my approach is more from the individual on out. Like, what is it that I need and what I want? Um, and just looking at it from that perspective. Um, and, and so each thing can work for different individuals. I have no problem with people who have an easier time just being told, like, cut this out and, and keep this in. Um, but I think that that's much harder for the majority of people to actually do and stick to. I think, you know, we know the statistic that less than 5% of the population is either vegetarian or, or vegan. So, um, you know, I, I want to be realistic and I want people to be realistic with themselves as well and kind to themselves. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of asked the million dollar question there. Mm-hmm. How does one, once they choose this diet, how does one transition to, and how does one stick with it? So for transitioning, uh, in the win-win diet, I lay out a, an eight week plan, essentially the first two weeks focuses on portion reduction of your transition food. So if you're going from omnivore to flexitarian, you'd work on reducing your consumption primarily of, of meat or making different decisions about the types of meat that you're eating. So maybe you want to uh, avoid eating processed meat, uh, but eat everything else or not eat red meat, only eat white meat or choose organic, local, pasture-raised, grass-fed meats instead of anything else. So there are many different ways within each eating pattern. Again, so not just saying even within each eating pattern, get rid of all this and and, and take that. Um, so, so you would reduce the, the quantity of, say, the meat product that you're eating. So if you're used to eating in any given meal, six ounces, you take it down to three ounces, um, in the first week. And then in the second week working, work on reducing it to, um, to zero within that meal. Um, and then in the second phase, we're working on meal frequency reduction. So, um, if you're used to eating that transition food, if you're moving from pescatarian to vegetarian, then let's say now, um, we'd be working on removing fish from the diet or simply reducing, um, you would look at your, your day and you'd say, okay, I typically eat fish on two day, two, two meals of the, um, day. So you take it down to one. So by the end of the two week period, you're only eating fish, the one meal a day. Um, and then finally, the third phase of um, the first six weeks is reducing the number of days on which you eat your transition food. So say you're now eating it on four days of the week, you'd reduce it until again, you would get to zero. So by the end of the six weeks, you would not be eating that transition food at all. Again, if through the assessments that felt right for you at the same time, all along, I'm asking you to substitute and, and complement with more of the plant-based foods. So adding more vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, and plant-based proteins. So you're not actually eating less food overall in terms of the quantity, but you're just substituting out, replacing 
some foods with others. Um, and then finally, the, the last two weeks of the eight week transition period is about really just doing the assessment, allowing your body to adapt and adjust and sticking with it and really trying to figure out if, if it's right for you. Mm, I love like the idea of adding in, focusing on the adding in and the kind of the crowding out versus like, you know, giving up things, you know, like, like for me, like a, a big thing for me was like realizing my prior diet I thought was abundant, but I, like I view how I used to eat as like restrictive. Right. And now how I eat like whole food plant-based where there's like these thousands of fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, and grains that I had never tried in my life that I now have access to where like in the old days, I, although I was omnivorous and you would perceive me as like this more abundant, more option type diet, I was really eating like three animals and like the things that came out of them. Like, uh, you know, to me, that is now restrictive to how like I view it now with all these plant-based options. Exactly. There's so much variety out there and, you know, not to forget herbs and spices, right. right. Which do so much for, um, for delicious dishes and, and, and recipes. But yeah, I mean, that speaks back to the beginning of our conversation. This, it was the same for me. It was all about what not to eat and less focus on what to eat. So we, we both came from, I think a similar place and, and, are now existing in a, a more content one where, you know, there's a plethora of different delicious foods and options and ways to, um, combine and create that are, are not only healthy, but absolutely tasty. Totally. Um, so in the book, you have other areas of wellness that you include um, outside of diet, which I thought was really cool because I certainly know it's not all about just food. There's other factors that go into, you know, you leading a healthy life. So what are those factors and why did you include them? One of them is about eating environments and how to handle different eating environments, focusing really on, um, cooking more at home. Um, but if you are going to be eating out and taking out, ordering out, really understanding how to, to do that in a way that just maintains the goals that you're trying to achieve your efforts towards achieving those goals. Um, you know, so in terms of cooking at home, setting up your, your kitchen, making sure that you have everything you need. So that requires a little bit of a, a reno often for people as they're transitioning. Do you have the ingredients, the, all the different whole grains we spoke of, um, you know, millet, bulgur, quinoa, brown rice, wild rice. Um, what else do we love out there? Farro, um, buckwheat. There, there are so many, how about the, the vegetables is your vegetable, um, drawer full in, in, in the fridge with different colored vegetables. Do you have the eggplant and the zucchini and, and the red peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers? And you really want to focus on, on, on color there. Um, different condiments, again, herbs and spices. So just really making sure that you're set up so that you can do your best with trying to 
tackle new recipes. Um, and then of course, making sure that you spend some time, carve out some time and make the time to harvest those recipes and experiment with them. Um, read and educate yourself about whichever the diets you're, you're working on are so that you can actually really become you know, passionate about it and, and really find what it is that is, is calling to you. So for, as you said, for you with veganism, it's so much more than just, you know, for, for health reasons that you're doing it for you. It's a real moral, ethical value proposition. Um, and for many vegans, that is the case, but again, it may not be for all, um, and then when you are going out and ordering out, just making sure that you know the right questions to ask and that you're not afraid to have that confidence and that inner strength to ask your server, like, does this have X, Y, or Z ingredients? How big is the portion? Um, you know, look at the, the side dishes where most of the vegetables usually exist and the appetizers. And, you know, if you're not finding what you need in the main course area, can you comprise a, a meal just based off of those smaller side dishes, which actually tend to be much more even creative and delicious. Cause that's where chefs tend to experiment themselves. Um, and of course on the menus they are also cheaper. So if affordability is an issue for, for anyone to, to know those tricks of the trade. Um, I talk about community as, as another lifestyle element. That's super important surrounding yourself with like-minded people who have the same values um, or at least are compassionate and understanding and non-judgmental about yours. Um, but in so far as again, achieving what you want, it definitely helps to have people on the same page working towards the same efforts, um, to, to get you there. I talk about mindfulness, um, and that breaks down in a couple of different ways. So that's really about learning how to listen to your internal hunger and satiety cues, uh, so that you are eating because you're actually hungry and your body needs the fuel, not because it's convenient or, you're distracted or you're bored or your friends are doing it, or there's an office party going on. Um, it, I, I really teach people how to make it about what they need internally. Um, mindfulness also is about engaging all your senses in the eating experience and seeing the food when it lands, touching it, tasting it, smelling it really getting gritty, getting down in there rather than again, just going through it without consciousness, um, which tends to foster poor behaviors such as, you know, just choices that aren't, you know, as healthy or overeating or, um, you know, just not working again in, in a way that is going to help you with whatever your, your goals may be. Um, setting up your environment so that that is also peaceful and calming and friendly again, to encourage the best eating habits that could be, you know, nice music that could be dim candlelight, um, socialization, making sure that you have people there that you can talk to, um, that again, helps to foster, um, really solid habits. Um, and then of course, exercise, I, I discuss exercise and how, how key that is to, um, 
you know, reaching and achieving optimal health and well-being. Um, according to the USDA, we want no less than 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week or 75 minutes of more vigorous. But really, I encourage people to move every day in some way. And that could be anything from a leisurely walk or gardening or housework to you know, swimming laps or Pilates, yoga, running, biking, you know, more hardcore sports. If you want to get into, you know, hit training again, more aggressive measures, that's absolutely great as well. But as I, I educate with the food, just finding what you love and what's right for you and, and what's balanced so that you're also not, um, abusing and overusing your body. So I really believe in cross training as well. Mm. I love it. Yeah. And it's like all of those things, although they also contribute to better overall health in general, they also, at least in my experience, help you make better food choices. Like when you're around other health conscious people and after you just went for a five mile run or whatever, or after you went to the spin class, like you're just less likely to eat a bunch of shitty food. Like you, <laughs> you just did something good for your body. You feel good. You're around other health conscious, high energy people. It's like to then like just eat something shitty, like isn't even really a thing you would do. So those yeah. all kind of like feed into each other. Exactly. Exactly. And then the last uh, element that I talk about is self-nurturing. So mm. we touched on that briefly, but just being kind to yourself and gentle with yourself and making sure that you reward yourself for your efforts, that you get a massage sometimes, or, you know, go sit in the park and en enjoy, a, you know, a sunset evening or on the beach or, or take a walk in the forest or, you know, meet up with your friends and just hang out and have fun. Um, but just to make sure that, you know, outside of your work life and um, your life of, of trying to get your health and well-being, you know, on track and, and to the level that you want it to be, just to make sure that you're enjoying all aspects of life, going to a museum, going to the theater. Again, maybe it's just listening to music or a podcast, but um, really just enhancing yourself in all those other ways as well. Yeah, I love it. So you had in there, I saw you had a few bread recipes and I, I specifically wanted to ask you this because that this is like a food that gets vilified in like anti-carb land. And we're always told it's super unhealthy, you know, and, and carbs are kind of the one like across all kind of diets, wherever you stand, like, you know, it, it seems to be like this vilifying of carbs and bread and pasta and things like that specifically. So I'd love to hear your take on bread. And if you're going to have bread, like what are some of those um, recipes that you have in there on bread? So what people in diet culture forget to say about carbs is that it's the refined carbs that are really what we want to stay away from. But whole grain carbs are up there with fruit, fruit and vegetables, one of the three healthiest foods we can eat. Um, so all the recipes in my book contain whole grain carbs. Um, I hope that you'll make my vegan thumbprint corn muffins. Nice. <laughs> Those are for you. <laughs> nice. 
Um, there's a whole wheat zucchini bread. There's a whole wheat pizza. Um, there's bansa pasta. So that's made with chickpea flour. Um, I also um, have whole wheat pasta in there. And I think I even suggest in one, the option of using a corn based pasta. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's no reason to think that carbs are evil. They are what fuel our mitochondria and energy, um, to, to literally do everything that we do throughout the day. Fat is more what the brain, you know, likes. Um, but definitely, um, the old school thinking of low carb dieting is, is pretty obsolete at this point. Yeah. I always encourage people. You have to, like, I always tell people to just throw the macro words out the window and look at food as a whole, right? Like for so many years, those foods, like the, the macro words blinded me to actually looking at the food as a whole. So it's like, okay, well, low fat. Well, it's like, well, I have an avocado that's high fat, but that benefits my health or, okay, you're telling me low sugar, but you know, an apple is one of the healthiest things I can put in my body. So it's just like misleading. I think when we talk about foods that way versus like, you know, and on the bread, the bread's a great example where it's like, you're trying for this low carb, but it's like, okay, what about, you know, whole grains, you know, water, salt, and yeast is going to kill me, you know, like nothing, you know, but we're so obsessed with the, the macro words. And I think that just misleads so many people and they, forget to just ask the bigger question. What is this? What does it do for my body? Right. And whole grains have proteins, tons of vitamins, tons of minerals, um, healthy fats, as you mentioned. So they're everything we, we want to be consuming. Um, and, and yeah, going back to our, um, discussion about my life as a, as a gymnast, that's why the whole concept also of low fat, you know, everything in the seventies, eighties, it was like low fat, no fat. Um, it, it just, it, it doesn't make sense now with where nutrition science has come and it has come a long way since then. So because it's a young science, we have been learning and discovering so many new th things th through research over the past 20 years. Um, but monounsaturated fats, omega-3 fatty acids, these are things that that we need, that we do best on again, great for the brain and, um, our, our hormones, um, for mental clarity and just, you know, overall optimal well-being. Like you don't want to cut out all fats. <laughs> totally. Totally. So you also, I've also seen you say, uh, I don't know if you said it in the book, but I've just seen um, you talk about body, mind, and spirit. And I'm curious, like we, where to you spirituality kind of fits into this whole idea of being healthy. I, I, I just feel at most one with myself when I am at my healthiest, if that makes any sense. Mm, mm, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The word yoga means to yoke or to unite. And it's specifically referring to exactly that coming together of mind, body, and spirit. And I feel like, you know, as food as one of the several elements we talk to, but really looking at them all together and, and bringing them together 
when I have any one of those areas and especially diet out of sync, um, I just feel discordant and kind of dismembered in a way, you know, it's like, I just Mm -hmm. don't feel whole. Um, you know, we had a conversation once where, you know, I was telling you afterwards that for some reason, you know, my, my mind and my speech and like everything just wasn't coming out properly. I was actually experiencing a brain fog moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I can tell you, I know why we can talk about this later, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm pretty sure it had to do with the fact that, you know, I probably hadn't eaten exactly the right things that I should have eaten, you know, the previous day that I didn't get enough sleep that I needed. Um, and so I think it's really important, um, for me, that's what the spirituality is, is to just feel like a sense of, of wholeness. And, and also that, you know, I'm not as progressed, let's say, as you are when it comes to, you know, doing everything within my power to the extent that I'm going to be vegan, for instance, or not wear leather to, um, help preserve the environment and, and, animal welfare. I still eat fish and eggs and and dairy. Um, but I do care about that stuff and I care about it a lot. Um, and so that's another aspect of it. And it is something that I I aspire to move more in the progressed direction myself. Um, but as I said, we're all only human and not everybody gets to the same place at the same time. And, And maybe some of us will never get all the way there and that's okay too. But as long as I feel like I'm doing something that is, is helpful to our planet, um, that's important to me. Mm. Yeah. I love that explanation. I, I feel like when you get yourself healthy, all that fog clears. Right. And I just feel like, you know, when you're health, like I, I've personally been like more drawn into, as you said earlier, walks in the woods. Like I, I want to be in nature more and I want to be around, um, you know, people that enjoy those same things. I just feel more kind of connected to the bigger picture versus yeah. when I was not by modern standards sick, but I, what I would call today as sick, you know, that was blocked off for me. And I couldn't, I couldn't quite connect to who I am, as you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And, and, um, getting outdoors and, you know, being in nature is, is definitely one of the great ways to, to access greater spirituality. And, and then also, you know, foraging food, like going to get, you know, your organic local foods, whether it's at, you know, the store or in a farmer's market or, you know, at a farm stand, like that's a whole other experience. And, and to me, like, it just never feels satisfying or fulfilling spiritually or in any way to just open up a package and eat something that God knows where it was made and what it actually even is. For sure. For sure. Amazing. Well, I want to learn real quick before we, before we get close to the end, that was, that was a quick hour this time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I you, no brain fog today. <laughs> I want to, I want, I want you to make people aware of, uh, your nonprofit, um, that you do, um, here in Boston and in the Quincy area. Um, I, I know you do it beyond just Quincy, but I know it's 
um, kind of originated there. Can you tell us about that and, and why you started it and where people can find that? Yeah, so it's called Quincy Asian Resources, Inc. Uh, I didn't actually start it, but I am uh, on the board of directors. Uh, and it is an organization that focuses on immigrant social services uh, and wellness. So that is that includes helping immigrants find employment opportunities, learn language, get education, um, food security. So getting good, healthy plant-based foods to, to those that don't have easy access to it. Uh, it, it covers many different aspects of, of life that, um, that can be a challenge for, for, for many of us to, to manage and, and handle. Um, it's a great organization. I love it. They also are now um, working out of my hometown, New York. Um, so we are expanding um, and in Providence, Rhode Island as well. So it is a great, great organization that helps so many people. Quincy Asian Resources, Inc. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else in the book or about the book that people should know before we close out? Just that there are meal plans and 95 recipes. So in terms of you know, knowing that you can read this book and not get all of this wonderful information that we've been talking about. Um, there are, you know, real practical tools that help you understand how within any day and day to day, week to week to plan out your meals um, with, you know, the recipes to support them. And, and the recipes are, um, very nicely keyed for each of the eating patterns. So, you know, which ones suit flexitarian, pescatarian, vegetarian, and vegan. And some of them are for only one of the, of the diets and some can be for two or even all of them. Um, so it's, it's really practical, easy to use. Um, and it's, it's creative and fun and, and, the, and it's simple. Like th this is not, you know, top chef level, cooking right. and living. This is, you know, very fundamental, easy stuff to do in your own home kitchen. I love it. I love it. So where can people follow you and where can they get the book? They can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Julie Wilcox wellness, uh, on my website at juliewilcoxwellness.com where I have a newsletter sign up, um, which goes out once a month. Um, and they can get the book at uh, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, Walmart, Target, and independent bookstores. Awesome. And you also work with people one-on-one -on -one as well. Is that correct? I do. I do individual coaching, health coaching. I do uh, small groups actually as well. And I do corporate. So I work with companies helping to develop and design wellness programs for their employees. Amazing. Amazing. Well, before we sign off, I just want to thank you. I am, um, congrats on the book, first of all. Um, mm -hmm. I know that's a huge endeavor. So congrats on that. And I will leave links to that and all you're doing. And yeah, just, just thank you for what you're doing, trying to get people healthy in a very approachable and doable way and helping people go as much plant-based as they are comfortable with. And, um, yeah, I just give you a shout out because, uh, we share a very similar mission on that front to get, get people healthy. So keep going. 
Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much um, for all that you do as well. (laughs) Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Julie. Talk to you soon.